Women make up 70% of the healthcare workforce, but only 20% of its leadership. On her story, we'll explore the careers of bold and influential women from Silicon Valley to Capitol Hill and learn how they've overcome the odds. This is Her Story, a program where we explore what's beyond the glass ceiling. Welcome to Her Story, a show developed by women for women to share stories that expand what's possible as women healthcare leaders. I'm Sandy Fenwick, CEO Emeritus of Boston Children's Hospital. I currently serve on a number of company boards, one of which is Teladoc Health. I'm here today with three exceptionally accomplished women who are on the Teladoc's executive leadership team as three chiefs. As many of Teladoc Health is a cutting edge virtual health care company founded with the simple yet extraordinary idea, and I think revolutionary idea, that everyone should have access to the best health care anywhere in the world and on their terms. And today, the company is delivering on that promise, providing whole person virtual care, including primary care, mental health, chronic care, and so much more. So I'm pleased to introduce three top executives of this company, and I believe that Teladoc Health is one of the few healthcare technology companies at scale that have three chiefs at the very top. So let me introduce Mala Murthy, who is the Chief Financial Officer, Dr. Vidya Raman Tangela, who is the Chief Medical Officer, and Stephanie Verstrette, who is the Chief Marketing and Engagement Officer. So welcome, all three of you. Thank you for having us. So let's start with each of you sharing how you got to where you are today, because I know not all of you started in healthcare, and I'm going to ask Mala if you would start. Great. Well, I am in such illustrious company. If I think back to where I started from and what I am today, um, what I'd say, Sandy, is even after living in the U.S. for over 30 years, working in five different companies across multiple industries, I'm still very much the girl from a very middle-class family in India, and I will always be that. What has that meant for me? I think it's meant a few things, and all of these have informed me as a leader and informed me through my career. The first is, and I know Vidya will relate to this also coming from India, I knew from the way early on that the shape of my life would be what I made out of it through hard work and drive. That I had to create my own opportunities, even if it meant working until very late in the night oftentimes in the city that I was in with no electricity, swatting away in mosquitoes and flies late into the night. And so that has taught me work ethic. Um, the second is as an immigrant to this country with no connections, uh, I also knew early on that any failures I had was only a challenge for me to pick myself back up and continue on. What did I learn from that? I learned grit, determination. As I joke with my family, I am the proverbial tortoise plodding on. 
Well, last but not least, I think this is where I feel the most blessed. My parents were absolutely incredible in that they taught me to imagine the art of the possible from very early on, to take risks. If I think back to how I came to the U.S., my journey started with my showing up at a hotel in Bangalore, India, where I knew Microsoft was interviewing folks and asking them if they would spare a few minutes for me. That was taking a risk, and that is something that my parents encouraged me to do, taking informed risks. So all of those elements have shaped me, ha have come with me in my, for my very early years. And what I would say to conclude is what I have learned, what I have honed over my career, in addition to what came with me early on is a few other things. First, to really listen. Uh, second, I would say to spot talent, smart talent who I can learn from, to surround myself with candidly people who are better than me, that I can learn from. And last, I would say to understand the audience, understand where the other person is coming from. Those skills I have learned and honed over the course of my career. Thank you, Paula. Vidya. It's how can I top that? I wish I could repeat everything that she said, but let me maybe take you, do try to take you through my journey since you asked. I would say for me, how I got here is by embracing the forks in the road and going for the parts that are not so straight, that are less traveled. I think if I were to write the story of my life, that would be the title, Forks on the Road and just taking it. As I think back, me making that decision to switch from clinical practice to something else because I felt the calling towards prevention to be able to do something for hundreds and thousands of people at a time, but I didn't know what and how. So just decided to figure that out. Or when I think about <clears throat> a, a regional plan in New Jersey, which was one of my first jobs, wanting to dabble in innovation back when we had zero footprint around innovation in healthcare. And then I raised my hand and said, okay, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. And I didn't know what, when, or how, but I did figure it out. Or when I went to Johnson & Johnson to help establish a startup that had nothing to do with the drugs and devices that the company was making, and it was in fact about a new solution, or being part of an organization like United, where it's a massive organization, and here you're being asked to scale innovation and make it part of the DNA of the organization. Or I look at an organization like Amazon Web Services, right, where I was last, and staring at the mounds and mounds of data that that organization is able to tackle, and then looking at all of the aligned technology and saying, oh my gosh, I wish we could create healthcare solutions out of this and doing that, right? So bottom line is, there was no precedent. There was nothing set in stone. And in most cases, I wrote my own job description because I just saw the possibilities. So I would say just embracing possibilities, just going for it. And so along with that goes healthy ability to embrace failure. So in my dictionary, there's no word such as failure. It's just, they're just lessons to be learned. And I'd rather try than not. I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. And so that was that. And then lastly, I would say it was, it's always been very important for me to align my own sense of purpose 
with the mission of the organization, the people that make the organization, and and ensure that I'm able to make a difference through that. So I I think of it as I am successful if I'm happy, right? Not the other way around. So it's very important for me to be happy with what I'm doing, with who I am, be my true self, and bring it to bear every single day. So those are few things from my own journey. Well, thank you so much, Vidya. And Stephanie, wow. You're more to follow. Wow, those are pretty incredible. It's a wonderful opportunity for, I feel like I'm learning new things myself. When it comes to leadership, a common theme for me is my belief that our journeys are really shaped by the people around us. I think you've heard examples of that already. As I reflect on the people who've helped shape me as a leader, over my career, I've come to appreciate the impact actually that my grandmothers have had. The leader that I've become both lived in a small farming town in Canada, but they were two very different personalities and they had two very different realities. One was a single mom supporting two kids and one was a married mother of five. But they were both incredibly strong, self-sufficient women who had amazing grit. And I heard Molly use it. I, it is something that I always think of with them. From them, I learned the importance of determination, not letting others define what is or what could be possible, the value of looking beyond the surface and really seeing unique value in an individual that they can bring to a situation or a team. And I actually think today, one thing I pride myself on is that ability to build high-performing teams. I think about it as one of my superpowers. And then lastly, the power of empathy, not just when it's convenient, but when it's needed. When it came to choosing a profession, I sometime in college, I got an inkling that I wanted to go into marketing. Uh, but when I graduated, it was difficult economic times and there were jobs. I wasn't able to find a job in the field that I wanted. So I was convinced to take a role, a frontline sales role, calling on grocery stores. So I definitely did not start my career in healthcare. My experience in this role literally was the single biggest wake-up call for me in experiencing a significant gender-based imbalance of power. And in this case, not in a boardroom, but in the back room. Since then, I've committed to becoming a functional expert in really changing consumer behavior and doing so, though, through a path of different industries, as well as different companies at different life stages. I really feel like I learned a lot of different skills along the way from doing that, whether it was from startups to high growth to Fortune 50 companies. And so lastly, Teladoc marked my, Teladoc Health marked my first foray into healthcare. I saw it as a fantastic opportunity both to continue to learn new industry, new business model, as well as have an immediate impact of applying all of that experience in a new way. And that's what actually makes me thrive. All of your stories are, uh, obviously, hear them all. Have any of your opportunities or your challenges felt different because you are a woman? And Vedia, maybe you can start, and then Mala and Stephanie again. Worf, that's, uh, it is a profound question. So I will say, I will take responsibility for, I think, putting my work first before anything else. I was always very nose down. And I, to this day, I am just about, let me do my job, do it really well. So to the point where I may have been blind to a few things. In fact, I found it interesting when in a couple of instances, some of my male colleagues pointed out 
not so great behavior from other male colleagues towards me because I was a woman. So I woke up to it only when it was pointed out to me as opposed to realizing it then and there only because I'm just very focused. But I also believe that whether you're a man or a woman, this, the first and foremost thing is to be good at what you do. There's no shortcut for that, right? You have to be, you have to know your stuff. You have to be good at what you do. So people automatically respect you for that and look to you for that. So I will say that that's one aspect. But certainly, like my Stephanie and Mala here and so many other women there, having kids, taking care of little ones, taking care of parents and juggling everything and then not, I did feel the sense of pressure when I had to leave at 4 p.m. and when I saw others being able to stay till 6 p.m. But because I had to go take care of something and I felt bad, but I got over it. I think I learned as I went. There is no, I don't think we can read a book and say one method works for everybody. I just learned as I went and I said, I have to prioritize and priorities do shift from time to time. So if there was a sick kid, if the sitter was leaving early and I had to get home, so be it. That's That was going to be the priority. But when work demanded, asked, wanted me to come in at 5 a.m., I was there. I showed up, right? So just knowing and being comfortable, putting one over the other as was necessary was something that I learned to do. And I felt like I was at a much happier place doing that. I'll also say that I think along the way I've had not just phenomenal female mentors and bosses and friends, but certainly men as well. So I've worked for some incredible men. I have had incredible men work for me and I've had them in the form of peers. And I'm certainly surrounded by them in my family and friends. So I think you take a little bit from everywhere. And so you don't, I like to think that whether we are to male or a female, you want to be respected for what you do and what you bring to the table and the difference you're able to make. And yeah, so yes, challenges, but I think I've, I'm just very focused on what I do. Thank you. Mala, in finance, there are, just like in medicine, only beginning to have women really rise to the top like you have. I'm sure that there have been many challenges for you too. My formative years, candidly speaking, were in places where you had to outwork the men on the team, right? You had to be there, work harder, be better, right? No more. That was the way it was. And I would say to you, I think that engendered a couple of things which I have very similar to what Vidya said. As I have become wiser over the years, I have corrected, or I have at least worked on, not corrected, but worked on. I would say the first is being vulnerable. It was, it, it in my formative years, it was not, it was about not being vulnerable. It's a, it was about being there, showing up. When asked, I cannot tell you how many times I have been there during Thanksgiving, during important milestones, moments in my life, etc. You are nodding your head. So what I would say is over time, I have learned it's important to smell the roses along the way, as I say, and to keep things in perspective. There will always be another presentation. There will always be another meeting. And it's about just being comfortable saying, hey, how can I balance this out with something else? Do I need to be there? Can someone be there in my place? That takes a level of courage that, frankly speaking, took a long time for me to acquire. 
And I do, when I mentor people, women and men, by the way, both, that is something that I do encourage people to really think about. What are they trading out or not in their lives? And to be aware of that same thing for their teams. So that's one thing. Conversely, and very interestingly, the I also found it very difficult up until relatively recently to ask, to state my expectations. It just, it still doesn't come naturally to me. And I would sweat it. And it shows up in small and big ways. I say this story very often. When I was at American Express, I had this incredible woman leader who took it upon herself to mentor me. And I remember she made an observation about me that I didn't even know I did. She said, Mala, when you walk into a room and meeting has started, why do you sit on a back bench? Sit at the table. You've earned it. And Sandy, I didn't even know I did that. It was a very small thing, but she said it speaks volumes about how you project yourself. And I share this also with people I mentor, right? It is about earning your seat at the table. No, don't expect anyone to give it to you. It's to the point that Vidya may ignore your stuff, do it, be confident and earn your seat at the table. And when you do, it's okay to ask. It's okay to state your ambition and your expectations. And I did, I, I wasn't, I struggled to do that until very recently. And I don't think I'm so good at it. I will pile on there and I know we have to go to Stephanie, but oh my God, that brings back so many memories, right? Yes. We, it's true. We, I think we women, we hesitate to ask. And sometimes perhaps we don't know what to ask for. I have found all of those to be true. And I have a story similar to Mala's where I don't want to name the individual, but she's in a very big spot, again, a female. And when I asked her one time, I said, you sit where you sit. So what do you know about me that I don't know about myself? This is what I asked her. And here's what she told me. She said, not a whole lot of people know how good you are at what you do. So basically, you need to market yourself. And that does not come easy to me at all. I still don't do it. But I learned to make small little changes that would get me there. So I think it's very important to also know one's blind spots and then seek counsel and take it seriously and listen like Mara said. Sorry, sorry Stephanie, your turn. <laughs> totally fine. It's interesting, and well, as you said, the reflection and what that turns up. Early in my career, I worked for two Fortune 50 companies that were both led by women. First, Irene Rosenfeld at Kraft Foods and then in Renewia PepsiCo. So for, at an early stage, I had rep, I had the benefit of representation right out of the gate. Um, and so for me, the possibility of a CEO, a female CEO was the norm. Now in contrast, since then, I have worked for a woman exactly 18 months in three decades. And so, so the juxtaposition of those two, but what it meant for me was I was one of those classic people that I wanted to be recognized as a leader, not a female leader, because I felt that that was a qualifier that was going to make it somehow less than. And it really, as I have become a leader of female leaders, what I've come to appreciate is that's actually harder. And that is something to be 
proud of and the very real need that representation brings. It is something that I did. It took me, I'm embarrassed to say, it took me far too long to recognize the value that me investing time in being the female part of the female leaders would bring. And it wasn't until there was a study that came out that really said women needed to act more like men to be successful. And that was the light bulb for me. That was not okay. And it was the moment that I really committed to using my voice. Uh, and I finding, looking for those moments, being aware when they're going to strike you personally to unlock for me what was much more of an authentic leadership style. Oh, thank you. Thank you, three. I, there's so much that resonates, I think, for all of us, each hearing each other's stories all and this reflection time I think really does with not only all four of us but I'm sure everyone who's listening you have each talked about your individual paths and journeys and challenges and opportunities what about your shared leadership journey at Teladoc as I said this is relatively unique to have such high level exceptional women at the top would you Stephanie and Vizia and Mala, please share what it's like to not only be in a place like Teladoc, but also to work together with not only each other, but the rest of the team. Yeah, maybe I'll jump in. I think what is unique from a Teladoc health perspective for the benefit, what I see as one of the biggest benefits is each of us leads a very different part of the organization. Right. And what we know is that female representation actually is important where decisions are made. Right. And the imperative to, to be able to help make sure that the services that we're delivering for our members, for our patients, for our clients, for all our stakeholders, are reflective of those people that we're trying to serve. And not just in one part of what they experience, not in just one part of the company. But the benefit of us being able to work together in three important clinical, the sorry, driving our clinical agenda and strategy, how we speak to and engage our members, and really how we make investment decisions, we come together and that actually means that there's a comprehensive perspective that we're bringing. Yeah, and I think for me, it's always been important, but more so here at Teladoc, is to be my authentic self. I can, I just cannot be anybody that I'm not. I don't want to be. And I think what these two ladies here and others do is allow me to be myself. And I think where I'm the newbie here, so not even a year at Teladoc, just about getting there. I would say that if I'm able to be authentic, but at the same time empathetic and listen, like Mala said earlier, if I'm able to share my vulnerabilities and my strengths with people and I can see them as partners, then, you know, then we all win. And that's really what has helped me, I think, in the last 11 to 12 months is just to be able to, where we all have very different styles, we're very different people, we have very different personalities, but learning about each other and knowing who's good at what. And so how can I lean on Stephanie? Where do I need to lean on Mala? And, and always knowing that they're there. So I'm not alone. That is such a big deal, at least from me, I would say. So I think that's what it's been. It's about knowing that we are partners, all aiming for the same goal, same score on the same score, scoreboard, but come at it from different ways. But we're also here for each other just because we, we have various strengths 
that we can give and share with each other. And I would say, as you can tell, Sandy, each of us has had very different journeys, right? Um, we've had a collection of experiences across different industries. And I think what that means for Teladoc and for each, each of us is we come with very different networks, right? To pull from, to draw from. Um, there have been instances, I remember a year or two ago when Stephanie was looking for a particular talent, right? She said, hey, do you know someone from PepsiCo or American Express who you think will be good for this job and who you think is good? So therein lies the power of each of us actually coming from very different experiences that we have our own networks. Uh, I think as what leaders do, it would be great for us to pull talent from our networks in service of the company, our members, our mission, our purpose. And so that is the other benefit I feel of us all coming together as leaders at Teladoc helping women leaders at Teladoc help. The other thing I would say is, you know, I remember when I was at PepsiCo, and this was in the very, very early 2000s, PepsiCo was a very early champion of diversity in all ways, including them. And there was a very interesting reason they did that. It was because they said, if we as a company don't mirror our consumers, we will never be successful. And I have to tell you, that was so profoundly smart. I think that's true for us. We have to be like our members, right? That's the only, our teams have to be like our members. That's the only way we will be able to deliver better value, better care, better experiences, and thereby live our mission and our purpose. So to me, there is both, there, there is a, there is a very pragmatic reason as well for us to have the kind of representation to use Stephanie's words, let me do. Anything else or should we wrap up? Because I wanted to ask you one last question. What, what's one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? <laughs> I don't know who wants to start. Yeah, no, I can start. Well, to, to my younger self, I would say you're bigger than and you're more than a single degree, a single job, a single something. Don't let one thing define you. Early on in your life, I wish I had covered all aspects that make me, what makes me happy, what I am good at, because I was so obsessed with being on top of the class at med school. And that's all I did when I was in med school. I let everything else go to the side, right? Then when I started working, that's all I wanted to be good at. But I do think that if I had just explored other parts of me and stuck with some other facets in my life, the only reason is that those always remain, whether the job is there or not, whether the degree is there or not. So to, to get more personal, I three years ago, I took to singing. This was something I did as a child and just let it go. But I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I know I can be good at it. Found two fantastic teachers who teach, who I take lessons from and 
can I tell you that keeps me grounded. It gives, it has given me a level of resilience that I've never had before and makes me feel more complete. So I think that would be the advice I'd give to my own self is that go discover what makes you and go after every part because things shift and you will always have something to lean on. Oh, thank you. Vala? A career is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I think if I had that wiser mind, I would find a different, many different ways to experience and enjoy, frankly, the journey along the way. And that, that is what I would do differently. And <laughs> my younger self is the, it comes in the form of two teenage children, though I tell this too often to maybe related things. The first is, and these are both very practical. It's never too soon to begin investing in your network. The women that you work with today are the network of your future. And then tied to that closely is never underestimate the value that you have to others. I, I recognize that the word network can be polarizing. I didn't like it for the longest time. But when I started to think about it as building connections or fostering growth and breaking down barriers, then it helped me feel like I had a purpose. And just recently, I've really come to appreciate that when you make that commitment, when you've made that investment, there is no ask that is too big or too small. So don't be afraid to ask. Whoa, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled that this worked out, that we could get all three of you, given the schedules that you keep and are not even in the same side of the country. Thank you so much. I know the listeners are going to not only love your individual stories, but your collective work together and the impact and the influence that you're having, not just within Teladoc, but clearly within the whole healthcare industry. Thank you, Thank Sandy. you, Sandy. Her Story is a podcast produced by Think Medium. For more leadership stories from inspiring women across healthcare, tune in every Wednesday. Please subscribe to Her Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. You can also view Her Story episodes in video and access exclusive content on our website at thinkmedium.com. Be sure to rate and review Her Story so we can continue bringing you insights from influential women across the country. If you enjoyed this episode, we appreciate you spreading the word to your friends, family, colleagues, and mentors who might be interested. For questions and suggestions, please contact us at herstory at thinkmedium.com. Thanks for listening.